Rev it up and welcome to Cars Yeah, show number 1302. We are the music makers and we are the dreamers of dreams. This is Cars Yeah, where you'll enjoy interviews with inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Mark Green is here to provide you with a fuel injection of automotive inspiration. So get in, sit down, buckle up, and get ready for a wild ride here on Cars Yeah. Hello, automotive enthusiasts. I'm revved up and so excited to introduce today's very special guest who happens to be calling in from an F1 circuit in Barcelona, Spain, Will Buxton. Hey, Will, are you buckled up and ready for a fun ride? <laughs> I most certainly am. I'm a you always are. <laughs> no, no, no. This is going to be fun. I'm, I'm switching the mic on you a little bit today, but that's okay. You know, I, I told uh, Will in our pre-show chat, I feel like I know this guy because I've watched him so many times watching F1 races, so I feel like I'm talking to an old friend, so I think we're going to have some fun. Bless you. Thank you. You're welcome. A motor racing broadcaster, commentator, and journalist, Will Buxton, has had the rare pleasure of turning his great passion into something resembling work for the better part of 20 years. His career has taken him around the world, as you hear the uh, the gun in the background putting some wheels on. Very cool. I like the way you added that to the show here today. Uh, countless times to report on everything from Formula One to World Rally to IndyCar. While the happy mistake of falling into television as a Formula One pit lane reporter in the United States for the Speed Channel and later NBC Sports, followed by his current role as a first digital presenter in F1 history, has made him one of the most recognized faces and voices in the sport. His first love was and remains writing. Will lives in Oxfordshire, England, although he is in Spain today, as I said. And we're going to talk today about a new book that he's written titled My Greatest Defeat, Stories of Hardship and Hope from Motor Racing's Finest Heroes. Can't wait to hear about that. So, Will, I've told our listeners just a little bit about you. Would you take a brief moment, share a little bit more about your career and a very obvious passion for motor racing? Wow, I think you pretty much covered it all there. Um, <laughs> phenomenal. <laughs> Thank you so much. Yeah, it's odd. You're welcome. Um, and I can kind of add author um, to the list of trades now. I guess they sort of say, yes. you know, jack of all trades, master of none, but I hope that's not true. Um, <laughs> no. no, no, it I, is not. I, I, I started on this wonderful journey nearly 20 years ago writing for Formula One magazine, and over the last two decades have been incredibly fortunate to sort of bounce between jobs that have taken me from from journalism into public relations back to journalism and somehow fallen into television and then sort of latterly into into internet-based television whatever on earth that is so it's been a wonderful (laughs) ride i hope it's not over uh yet and uh yeah as you've very kindly pointed out uh my first book comes out very soon and i am both tremendously excited and absolutely petrified um about sending this thing out into the world you know i think you're gonna have a great success here will because it's a culmination of all this uh, time and effort and these relationships you built over the years. Yeah. And uh, I, I know our listeners are going to very much look forward to getting their hands on this book. And we're going to learn a little bit more about it. But first, as we continue on this journey that you call your life, this is, uh, I'd li- or I should say, I'd like to ask my guests for a mantra or some kind of saying in your life, a slogan or something that means something to you. It's a nice way to get the inspirational tires turning here on Cars, yeah? So we'll take the wheel. See, it's funny. I was thinking about this and I was going to say to you, can we leave this to the end? And it it hasn't (laughs) been, I don't know if there's been a mantra that's pushed me through my life, but there's one, there's a phrase that I've always liked from a movie that has always spoken to me. And I I have no idea 
why and it's from um it's from the original willy wonka and the chocolate factory uh with gene wilder <laughs> and it's um it's where it's, it's where willy wonka says um we are the music makers and we are the dreamers of dreams and i mm. have always loved that and i think it has kind of framed my career and i guess my life and that is you know to have a a dream and to make that music you know to always chase that dream to always have something that little bit out of reach that you're always grasping for and um yeah yeah if if, if there's anything that has shaped my my life in terms of a mantra or a quote or or something like that i think i think that's probably it you know, I think that fits you nicely, Will. I love that movie, of course. It's just a great, fun film. Yeah. But that saying really summed it up for me about the whole thing and Willy Wonka and how this guy was living his dream and, and creating things that other people like and, and encourage other people and so forth. And in a way, that's what you're doing because you're always so on. I mean, you're just full of so much energy <laughs> and running up and down the pit lane and talking all these things and, and bringing for us viewers who love to watch racing that can't be there. I'll tell you what you've done for me personally is you bring me into the environment. I get excited when you when they when you come up, when they cut to your segments and you're down there in the pits and you hear all this stuff going on. And, and I'm really excited that we're doing this talk today while you're at an F1 circuit and we hear the <laughs> guns going off in the background. And uh, I think it's pretty cool. Well, so that means, nicely that done. Means, uh, a lot to me because that was always my my hope and my dream in doing this job was I wanted to pick everyone up off the couch and I wanted to bring you in through the gates with me and have you experience this with me because I'm yeah. like the luckiest guy in the world to get to do this for what they term <laughs> a job. And, you know, why should I be the only one that gets to enjoy this? I wanted to bring everyone along for the ride and say, hey, come and look at this and look at that. That's totally cool. And that's that's, that's how I've always gone about about this is, is to, you well, know, to share the journey. It's, it's worked. And, you know, one of the things that us race fans would love, every race fan would love, and I've, I've had the luxury of doing this a few times, is getting pit passes where you can go down in there and be close to the drivers and the cars and smell the fuel and the excitement and all that. So you definitely have done that. So nice mantra, my friend. Thank you. Well, let's go back in time and talk about a story that instigated your personal passion for racing and cars. Is there a pivotal moment in your life when you knew that you were a car guy. Yeah, and it's it's so funny. I can pinpoint it almost exactly to the time my my parents took me to the Prescott Hill Climb. And it would have been in 1986. And I would have been about five years old. And I just remember the smell, the sound, and just the thrill of fast cars, racing cars flying past me on this on this hill climb. And um I say it's really weird that, that you bring it up because my, my mom's moving house at the moment and going through all of the old stuff. Amongst it all was this booklet of drawings and um, sort of stories that I'd written when I was really young. And one of them was, you know, this weekend, my mummy and my daddy decorated my bedroom. On Sunday, we went and saw um, racing cars and motorbikes and there's a drawing cool of a that? hill with this yeah. racing car shooting up the hill and so I have this like very visceral memory of this but also yeah. this physical memory that has only just come back into my possession literally within the last three or four days so that was where it all started <laughs> for me I, I got the bug and and that day there was a, a big tent and I fell over the, one of the tent uh, yeah, the big nails. Oh, the, the stakes yeah, with the, the ropes the yeah, yeah, yeah exactly but and you know how like the, the more you hit the top of them it kind of 
bends the metal over and is incredibly sharp and jagged. And I yep. fell over it and gouged my shin. And I still have the scar in my shin from when I was five <laughs> years memory. old. So you can say that, that motor racing physically affected me from the very first moment. We call those memory marks. Yes, exactly. So, uh, yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, that's a pretty cool story. I think that's pretty fun. Little did your parents know what they sparked in you that no. young that that young lad that day. But I always say for young people these days, you know, if you have the chance to take a young person to a race, a car show, a cars and coffee, whatever it might be, do that because you know what? That little kid might end up like Will Buxton on the pits all over the world. It's crazy. It is. It's, crazy. it's crazy what sparks the, the dreams that, that we have. And particularly with, you know, the, the, the people are saying, you know, kids just don't want to drive anymore and they don't want to pass their driving test. And I find that crazy because I've had so much joy brought to my life just through these these crazy contraptions and the wonderful people that you meet along the along the way. Absolutely. And uh, my uh, heart goes out to uh, your mom and moving right now. We moved my mom last year from her home of many years into another uh Another home that I think has actually proved to be pretty good for her, but I know that's a, a tough thing to go through. So uh, thank you. Uh, we'll be we'll be thinking about her. Well, what I'd like to do is talk about some of the roads you've driven down. I mean, you've had a very interesting career. No doubt, there's been some ups and downs, maybe a failure here or there, or a big challenge. And I'd love for you to walk us through one of those. But more importantly, what did it teach you so that you could come out on the other side in a positive way? I was I was thinking about this. I, I thought about a professional one, which was. Straight out of university, I was very lucky. I had met at a, an auto show David Tremaine, who was one of my journalistic heroes, and he really became a mentor for me. And straight out of university, he gave me a job with Formula One magazine. And so I'm, I'm there, 22 years old. I've got my dream job straight out of university. And at the age of 23, the magazine was shut down. No warning, no nothing. Uh, Literally a yeah. week to go until the first race of the season. And I was devastated because from having everything I'd ever wanted in terms of a job to zero nothing that year i i i bought a camper van and i drove to every formula one race in europe and i and i made my i think i made my my career that year because i showed i wasn't willing to let it go and i was willing to chase the dream no matter what and i bankrupted myself that year i mean i had no i didn't have two pennies to rub together i arrived here in spain in it was 2004 after the first race was in Imola and then I arrived here in Spain for the second race and I hadn't eaten in like four days and I saw oh, David wow. and David just said you look dreadful and took yeah. me out for <laughs> one of the best meals I've ever had in my life at this lovely restaurant called El Trabuc which is just down the road from the circuit and every year we go back to the restaurant and share a meal uh, and and we record that uh, and we've been doing that now for heavens 15 16 odd years so it's um yeah, been, been been crazy. So that was, you know, that taught me a lot. It taught me, it taught me that nothing is ever guaranteed. Nothing is ever forever. That cruel circumstance can take the thing that you have always dreamed of away from you in a in a heartbeat. But that if you persevere and if you show enough dedication and passion to your cause, eventually something will will come from it. And later that year, I uh, the people who were starting the new GP2 series which is now called Formula 2, had seen what I was doing in the camper van and said, we love it. It's totally rock and roll. Do you want to be our press officer? And I said, yes. And within 18 months, I had graduated from press officer to director of communications. I PR'd the Nico Rosberg, Lewis Hamilton championship years. And then at the end of that, I came back to journalism. I'd done six months of journalism and the phone rang one day and said, nobody knows more about GP2 than you. Do you want to start doing some commentary? I started doing commentary on GP2. And a year after that, I got a call from Speed Channel saying, we love your GP2 commentary. Do you want to come and be our pit reporter? And that is where it all 
came from was, was that the horrible moment of you've lost your dream job. Everything stemmed from that to lead me to where I am now. And it's, you know, sometimes the, the, and it's what, uh, it's what the book about is, is about as well is that, you know, the dark moments may seem, you know, the darkest, but that somewhere there's a, sh- a shard of light. And if we can cling on to it, then, then there's something really magical that we can take from it. You know, your story kind of gives me goosebumps. It, actually, it really does. I'm looking at my arm. There they are <laughs> oh, right wow. there. And it does it in a way because it's very much like a racer's story. You've been around enough racers to see where one weekend they're champs, the next weekend they're chumps. Uh, one weekend everything is going great. The next weekend the championship is gone. You know, it's that up and down. And that's the, that's racing. That's, that's everything about racing. And so what makes it so exciting is, is all these things can happen. But, uh, your life, uh, outside of the seat, but in the pits and around all this is mimicked and mirrored that, which is really interesting to me. Uh, but I'm very happy to hear that, uh, it had a happy ending. But, you know, sometimes you just got to put it all against the wall and do what you want to do. So kudos to you for taking those huge challenges and getting to that point in time. Really fantastic story. Thanks for sharing that. Let's have a little bit of fun and talk about your first really special vehicle, maybe a car, a vehicle you've had in your life that has some great meaning for you. And share a a memory you have about that ride, if you would. So again, I was thinking thinking long and hard about this. My first car, which I was given on my 17th birthday by my parents, was an Austin Metro. And it was a heap of junk. And uh, <laughs> we worked tirelessly on it. We, you know, we, we, we filled, we, we got rid of all the rust and we filled all of it, you know, all of the, all of the holes and we tea cut it and we, we, we fit some Lucas spots on the front and some little, you know, little white alloy wheels. And it looked like a proper little rally car by the end. And my dad sure. and I spent so long on it. And then I wrote it off. <laughs> you know, within like three months, I, I was, you know, thinking I was Ari Vatten and going down the back road roads around where i lived and I, I completely wrote it off so that i mean that was like a, a fun first memory of the car but but funnily enough actually and and i it, it's a memory that that was suddenly brought back to me today it was a point when i was probably about 13 years old and my father was living for work he had to live away and so he was only coming back at the weekend and i was going through my teenage years and being quite you know rebellious and trying to find my feet and because dad was away during the week i was like i was the man of the house during the week yeah. And then he'd come back at the weekend and we'd really lock horns and it got really bad and we really weren't getting on. And he bought me a, a Tamiya model kit of a Benetton Formula One car, the B192. And we just sat nice. down one Sunday and we just made this model car together. And it totally yeah. healed the rift in our relationship. And, oh, I was, nice. and I was at the track today and I heard all these these noises going around the track. And I'm like, oh, they're all different engine notes. So it can't be Formula 2. It's not Formula 3. It's not the Porsche Super Cup. What is it? Walked into the pit lane and it's the historic F1 cars going around. And literally there in front of me, the first car I see is the Benetton B192. And, oh it, just, and it just really filled my soul. And it was just yeah. so lovely and just this, this really sweet moment. So, you know, I've never driven it, but it's a car that means a lot to me because of that. Yeah, I would think so. Well, that's pretty astute of your dad to choose something that you're passionate about to kind of mind or meld the, you guys back together again yeah. or mend what was broken with you. But the Austin Metro, I, I seem to recall in the past, there was a, I think it was called the MG Metro 6R4 that was kind of a <laughs> rally <laughs> car. Is, yeah. Am I thinking of the right thing? Yeah, 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 yeah. Similar, similar. So I think, um, was it Rover? Or was I think, or was it MG that bought Austin? Because Austin was one of those great British car brands that went by the wayside. Yeah. And yeah. Um, not a, I've got to be honest, not a great car. 
not a great car. The little choke. <laughs> Probably not. The, no. But um, yeah. But yeah, great fun and great to tinker with. You know, I had the Haynes manual and we were working on it. With, oh uh, yeah, yeah. You know, tinkering away and, and and learning how spark plugs work and distributors and all of that. And it was, uh, you know, it's, you look at modern cars. And I'm like, will I ever get to do that with with my kids? You know, actually pull up the bonnet and go to work on the car, or do you just take it to the to the you know, you just take it to the shop now and get it and get it sorted. Is there that, yeah. that love affair that that kids are going to have with cars today that we had when we were and when we were kids? Well, that's where old cars come into play. And we're seeing this trend a lot over here on this side of the pond. A lot of cars are kind of starting to become popular from the 80s uh, for young people uh, because they were young when those cars came out. And I'm talking about special cars, maybe Mercedes, BMW and so forth. But Maybe get a young kid into an old car, you know, with your kids. Get get an old car and, and start tinkering with it a little bit. Uh doesn't have to be anything fancy, but I know what you mean. Do you have a little seller's remorse story? Is there a vehicle you've owned or let go buyers, that you really no, wish got, you had? I've got buyer's remorse. i got so oh, much. Oh, buyers. Time. Okay. My well, that's car, okay. Like, my car history is terrible. But by far and away, the worst car I ever bought was a BMW X5. Uh, so I talk about the Austin Metro being a hunk of junk. The X5 was the single worst car I, I ever bought. It was really, it was hideous, absolutely hideous. It was one of the old star ones, you know, like a big lumbering sort of Range Rover type thing. It was yeah, just yeah. miserable. And in the end, the electrics went so wrong that I, oh, came, no. I came back from a race weekend and the alarm had been going off for three solid days. My neighbors did not love me at no, all. I would um, imagine not. And in the end, I, um, because if you locked it, and then left it for an hour. The alarm went off, and I, I didn't realize this until I came back from the race. And so, in the end, Uh-oh. I, I part exchanged it for a new Mercedes. But I um, yep. obviously never told the folks at Mercedes that it had this awful problem with the electrics, and they gave me. <laughs> well, a we won't let them know that was you. Decent price with it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I'm sorry. It's you know we've had two BMW X5s in our family, and I have to say I've had the complete opposite. They've been absolutely fantastic cars. The current one we have has 130,000 miles on it. Not a lick of problem. Oh, we just do regular maintenance. But you know, maybe that was one of those what they call lemons built I mean, on the on I mean, a Friday clearly, afternoon. Clearly, whoever does the electrics stateside is a lot more proficient than uh, whoever did the electrics on mine because it was all. Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry to hear that. Well, that's no fun. Well, that's just. Proves that, uh, yeah, different cars, different marks. There's good ones and there's bad ones. <laughs> totally. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I would love for you to tell our listeners a lot more about what inspired you to write. Now, this is your first book, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so again, the title, My Greatest Defeat, Stories of Hardship and Hope from Motor Racing's Finest Heroes. Certainly a bunch of people you've been around your whole life. So what inspired you to write this book and give us a little glimpse into what we can expect when we start turning the pages to enjoy it. So for the better part of two decades, I've been trying to find, trying to find the hook, trying to find a story that would ignite my passion and hopefully ignite the passion of, of fans of this sport and want, want to read about it. And it was on a flight that I took one of many <laughs> hundreds over the year. And I watched a movie documentary about Ford and Ferrari's battles at Le Mans. And I realized yep. in that instance that the greatest stories in our sport, or maybe in all sport, you know, don't necessarily come from victory. They come from defeat and having yep. the wherewithal, the strength to be able to pick yourself up and start again, as Ford did. And I thought, well, you know, this relates to, to drivers. You know, they've all had moments of gut-wrenching uh, uh, sort of defeat, you know, from the jaws of victory. And it started off as being what was the race that broke your heart? 
very quickly I realized that this wasn't actually about that. And it came in the very first interview I did, which was with Nicky Lauda. And I went to talk to him and he said, you know, what was what was the worst moment of your career? Thinking he would be 1976, the crash, you know, all of that. Or maybe coming back and the team having replaced him, you know, the moments of, of real difficulty for him. And it wasn't. It wasn't even close. The worst time in his life is when he ran louder air and they lost a flight over Thailand and everyone mm. on board was killed. And having to deal with that and for eight months shouldering the responsibility until he could force Boeing to admit their fallibility in the crash, prove the innocence of his pilots, prove the innocence of his company of his company yeah, fault, yeah and that he shouldered that burden and that he fought tooth and nail and i'm like wow i'm talking to racing drivers but these aren't necessarily going to be stories about racing and you talked earlier about my career you know being a little bit like a racing drivers i think in all our lives there are lessons that we can learn from races they have a very forward-facing mentality you know you screw up one corner you can't think about it because you've got to think about the next one and the next one and the next one and they're very much like that in their own personal lives too whatever is affecting them be it outside of the car or inside of the car they have to move past it you know, don't focus on it shut the visor right foot hard down get on with it and there's a lot that then comes out when they stop racing just like with all of us if we ignore what's going on in our lives we end up having to deal with it further down the line and and these stories with these guys became about it became about mental health it became about our strength or our perceived strength what we have to be as men stiff upper lip you know don't show emotion don't deal with it and i think more and more we're being told and there's an allowance and an acceptance that we don't have to be strong all the time we can admit our fallibility and actually admitting our fragility and our struggles can allow us greater happiness than trying to be that that strong person all the time. And if these macho manly men in this macho manly sport can admit that they struggled and they really had a hard time, then hopefully it might it might help those of us who struggle the most. You know, suicide is is the biggest killer of men under 40, certainly in 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 the UK, and is something that I really wanted to confront and to deal with. And I personally have, you know, I've dealt with very, very low times. I guess, you know, it's not a surprise that most of us that end up on television are cripplingly anxious at times and particularly in the social media world where it's so easy for somebody to turn around and tell you that you're worthless and and we feel it and and and, and i've really struggled over over the years to find my place and find acceptance of self and in writing this book i was able to to discover so much about myself and so i've given each story with no further comment each story is the driver's own words, because I, what I want for everybody that reads this book is to be able to take a seat at our table and to draw their own conclusions, to draw their own lessons, and hopefully to find something within those stories that talks to them. And if they're finding life hard, to see that, you know, from yeah. our greatest defeats, we can draw yeah. these, these great moments from them. Awesome. Oh, you know, I love it. I love everything about it. There's a great quote, and I'm so happy you mentioned Nikki Lauda, because a quote that I've always admired of his is actually, really, you should always discuss the defeats because you can learn much more from failure than from success. And that relates exactly to what you're talking about. And another great one that I love, in fact, I love the quote so much and the racer, Ayrton Senna, I have it on my business card. The past is just data. I only see the future. Yeah, Now, exactly. there's a great, I guess there's a great relationship there to not thinking about the past that you should 
talk about it and bring it up and not just ignore it because it could come back to haunt you later. Yes. <laughs> uh, absolutely. But, uh, well, I'm very excited by this book again for our listeners. My greatest defeat stories of hardship and hope from motor racing's finest heroes by Will Buxton. Brilliant. Can't wait to get my hands on a copy of this. And I'll make sure I put links to how you can get your copy on Will's show notes page on the Cars Yow website. All right, Will, up next is the last lap before we put the pedal to the metal. Let's say thank you to today's Cars Yow sponsors. Hey, fellow automotive enthusiasts, you know I'm a huge fan of Covercraft. I've protected my vehicles with their products since 1975. That's right, all the way back to my high school days. Want to keep your vehicle's exterior and interior looking new? It's easy with a Covercraft car cover. A car cover is the best way to keep your vehicle looking great for years to come. Car covers protect your paint from fallout, birds, dust, rain, insects, and pollen. It's a fast, easy, and inexpensive way to keep your vehicle looking new. I use my Covercraft car covers every single day. Right now, you can get 10% off all Covercraft custom car covers or their ready-fit car covers. Plus, they offer you over 15 quality fabrics to choose from. Their spring sale is from April 15th through June 16th, 2019. Order direct at Covercraft.com and tell them Mark at Cars Yeah sent you. Covercraft is the right choice. Learn more today at Covercraft.com. That's Covercraft.com. Are you looking for a way to get your products or services into the ears of thousands of automotive enthusiasts around the globe? I can help. This is Mark Green here at Cars Yeah, and I'd be honored to be an influencer and ambassador for your brand in a unique and personal way. Five days a week, thousands of subscribers and listeners enjoy the Cars Yeah podcast and website. Contact me today and I'll show you how at mark at com or connect with me through the Cars yeah website at com. Hey, Mark Green here from Cars Yeah. Did you know you can now see me on the Cars Yeah TV show? It's a weekly visit to some of my past Cars Yeah podcast guests, and I take you along for the ride. You go behind the garage door and into their lives, their businesses, and you get to see what makes them successful. With tens of millions of viewers, Cars yeah TV is making its mark. Cars yeah TV is available on MAV TV and Lucas Oil Racing TV. You'll find MAV TV on Direct TV. Fubo TV, Fios by Verizon, or you can stream it through Lucas Oil Racing Television online. And they said I only had a face for podcasting. All right, Will, we are back, and I have a bit of an introspective question. We're going to get into your skull a little bit here, all right? If you were manifested into a car, not what you want to be, but how you perceive yourself as a vehicle, what would Will Buxton be and why? I can't give you a specific car but i can give you a brand i think okay. i think i would be an alfa romeo I, I think i look okay and i look pretty sorted out and that like everything's good but like you know with an alfa romeo like some days you turn the ignition and the alfa romeo is like yeah i'm, I'm a car I'm, I'm a pretty good car and then like the next day you turn it on and it's like today i'm going to be a washing machine and then the next day it's like today i'm going to be a speaking spell like you know and i and i think i'm i think i'm kind of the same as that i have my good days and i have my bad days and and unfortunately yeah. for the people that know me the best they never know quite which one it's going to be <laughs> and sometimes it's best just to turn the ignition off and start again so i think I'd yeah close the Close the garage door. Let him sit. Let the yeah, dog yeah, lay yeah, till yeah. the next day. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. absolutely. Oh, wow. Well, see, knowing you as I do, 
from the viewer standpoint, I, I can't imagine you that way at all because you just always <laughs> seem so excited and fired up. But I understand we all have our days. So nicely said. Well, we are entering the last lap. I'm going to fire off a series of questions and ask you to give our listeners some very quick blips of that alpha throttle. So here we go. What's the best automotive advice you've ever, or racing advice you've ever received? Steve Match, Steve Match told me to bin the BMW and get a Mercedes, and I did. It was the best decision I ever made. <laughs> <laughs> there you go, Steve. Nicely done. Would you share one of your personal habits you believe has contributed to your many successes over the years? Um, you know, be yourself, have fun, don't take yourself too seriously, and just try not to screw stuff up. Absolutely. Yeah, just be nice to people, yeah. you know? I mean, that's that's really the key. Uh, in fact, um, I just had on Cars Yeah here um, a sports commentator that you might know. Um, her name is Katie Hargett. And Katie, when I interviewed her, she said something very similar. She said, you know, I just try to be nice to everybody. Yeah. That's just the best way to be. So I think that's true. Do you have a resource that you'd like to share with our listeners that you find really helpful? Um, I use, I use forex.com for all of my kind of like, well, my stats and everything like that. Uh, 4X. Okay. For, forex. F-O-R-I-X. It's very good. It has like F- all of It's like literally any type of motorsport in the world. If you want stats on every session, every race going back decades, they've got everything. It's, it's a brilliant resource. So uh, yeah, them and obviously formula1.com whom I write for and uh, produce content for. So I have to give them a plug, obviously. Uh, yeah, I would think so. Absolutely. I'll make sure I put links to both of those on Will's show notes page. Now, if I could wave a magic wand and arrange for you to sit down and have a drink with anyone in the automotive or racing industry, living or deceased, who would that individual be? I mean, Senna, obviously. Like, yeah. He was the whole reason I got into this. Um, yeah. You know, when, when he died, uh, my dad bought me my first copy of Autosport and Motoring News magazines. And, uh, and it was reading the words of the journalist there that made me realize that I wasn't the only person going through it. And that's what sparked this dream to be a journalist working in Formula One. So I, I, I would have loved to have met him and uh, just chewed his... his uh, he chewed his ear off for a bit. Well, not chewed his ear off. Uh, hopefully, he would have chewed mine off and I could have listened to him talk. <laughs> there you go. I think so. Yeah, I'd love to be able to have him on this show. If we could still have him with us, that would be fantastic. Yeah. Now, how about a book? Other than, of course, your book, My oh, Greatest what? Defeat. Oh, is it, man, yeah, I was going to plug well, it again. <laughs> well, you can plug it again all you want, Will, because that's what we're all about is uh, self-adulation here on Cars. Yeah, but, uh, uh, but is there maybe another book that inspired yeah. you a little bit to, well, I, to I, be I, an author? One of the best, honestly, one of the best sports books I've ever read in my life is Hitman by Brett the Hitman Hart, the wrestler from the uh, from the 80s and 90s. Like, honestly, in terms of sports writing, it is one yeah. of the best books I've ever read. I just, I couldn't put it down. I think I finished it in, in a day and it's a thick tome and it is a, but it's a beautifully written book. Very honest about, you know, life in this crazy entertainment industry that was, you know, WWF in the, in the nineties. Wow. You know, that's the first time that book has been uh, mentioned here. Who's the author again? Brett the Hitman Hart uh, and his book. Hitman Hit, Hart. <laughs> yeah. Brett okay. the Hitman Hart. It was, he was, he was a, the, the, the wrestler, a uh, Canadian wrestler in the nineties. He always wore pink and like pink wrap, wrap around shades, part of a, yeah. a dynasty, like the Andretti's pretty much of wrestling. Yes. Like this huge dynasty that went through wrestling. And um, I was a mad wrestling fan when I was a kid and, just, just a, a br- honestly, just a brilliant piece of sports writing and a beautiful personal tale. Um, a wonderful book. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I'll remind our listeners you can find these great resources 
on Will's show notes page, including the Hitman book and, of course, Will's book, My Greatest Defeat, on his Cars Yeah show notes page. All right, we are up to the checkered flag. This is a flag you've seen many times in your life. Uh, uh, this last question could be a bit of a doozy, though. Today, I'm going to buy you any cool collector car in the world. No matter who owns it, I'm going to park it in your garage. But there's a couple rules to this game that make it a bit of a challenge. You can't sell it to buy a bunch of other toys with. You have to drive it. No garage queens allowed around here. And it's the only cool collector car you can have in your garage. So choose wisely. Uh, It's the Ferrari Dino. It is the car that made me fall in love with Ferrari. It still, Ah. I think, is the most beautiful car ever produced. I don't care that it's mid-engined. It just for me as a kid growing up, it, it looked it didn't look like a car. You know, I'm yeah. I'm a kid of the eighties and the you know, the Lamborghinis were all angular and I'm from England, so it was, you know, Ford yeah. Anglias and, you know, Austin Metros and all of that kind of crap. And it, it just looked <laughs> it looked organic. It looked like it was something that had been born of the earth. It just the the lines, it just flowed and it was stunning. And I just I, I fell in love with it. I've never even driven one. I've sat in one once, but I would I would move mountains to own one. Well, you know, you picked a really special car, of course. Uh, the first Ferrari. Now, I know a Ferrari aficionados would say, ah, it's not a Ferrari. It's yeah, a Dino yeah, because yeah, it doesn't have a Ferrari badge. But, but you know like what? That. It's a Ferrari. Yeah, I think it makes it pretty cool. That's the first Ferrari, quote unquote, I ever drove. Really? Uh, when I was Yeah, when I was 16, I had my own car detailing business and I had a client that had one. And he would, I would ride my bike to his house and drive that car back to my house. And I would always take the long road back, of course. <laughs> and uh, it was really special. And that particular car, my regular listeners know this story, that car was originally owned by Cher. It had a little plaque on the dash wow. that said, it said, this Dino built by Enzo Ferrari for Cher. And it was metallic purple. It was a factory color. Crazy looking car, but very, very special. You know, those cars languished around, you know, forty, fifty thousand dollars for a long, long time. Yeah, but in yeah, the last yeah. five, six years, now they're three, four, five hundred thousand dollar cars. Yeah, remember, but that doesn't I matter. Seeing one at like a a Coys auction or something like that for twenty grand, maybe ten, fifteen oh, years. Oh, I ago. know, I know. And you're, I like, know. and you're like and I remember walking around with my dad and being like, Hey dad, dad look at that car, it's twenty grand. It's like, where are we gonna get twenty grand from? You know, come on, don't be don't yeah. be crazy. And now you're like, Oh, oh Yeah, on, where am I gonna get a half million? Yeah. yeah. Oh, gosh. Well, it, let me ask you this one last question, just so I deliver the right car. Do you have a favorite Ferrari Dino color you'd like the car to be? Yeah, I want it in, in, in Rosso Corso, obviously. Rosso Corso. Okay, I kind of thought that would be it. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, that shouldn't be too hard for me to find. I've got a few friends that have some of these things, so uh, I'll get my checkbook out, my big checkbook out, so that I can can bring that car across the pond for you, and you can enjoy it. Yeah, it sounds awesome. Will, you've taken us on an awesome ride today. I want to thank you for taking some time out of your work day there uh, at the Formula One circuit in Barcelona, getting My ready pleasure. to run the race this weekend. I mean, it's been really good this to talk to you. Thank fun. you. Thank you. I've really enjoyed well, it. Well, thanks thank for you. sharing. You're welcome. Thanks for sharing your journey. Could you offer our listeners a little parting piece of wisdom or guidance before you rip off down the racetrack in that Ferrari Dino? You know what? It's it's funny. We we've been talking about my book and and one of my most enjoyable conversations and chapters with with Alex Zanardi. And uh, Alex is is such a smart guy and he has such a, a wonderful take on on life. And what he said and his chapter is fascinating because it became a philosophical debate about how we decipher between our ambition and our passion, and how we should be very careful to determine which is which. And that 
if we really want a happy life, we should always follow our passion, always follow our heart, not our ambition. And they're very difficult to decipher. And often we only can tell when we look back in hindsight, which was which. But if it is possible to choose the road that we follow our passion with all that we have, but if we cannot determine our destiny, if we are taken down a path that we can't choose, then to find something within that path that we love, to find some passion within the path that we didn't choose so that we can enjoy it as much as possible. And I think that that is a great lesson and one that he exemplifies um, and which creates such a hero status with him, not just amongst the motor, uh, the auto community, uh, but far beyond. Well, yeah, uh, definitely another one of those people I look up to for sure. What's the best way for our listeners to follow along with you and what you're doing these days? So I'm now working for F1 officially, uh, as I was at the very start of my career working for Formula <laughs> yeah. One magazine. Kind of crazy. Yeah, we're doing a whole load on social now. I'm kind of I'm living in the Internet world, which is yep. kind of fun because if journalism goes to die uh, when it works in television, I have no idea what that means for working on the Internet. But, um, you know, it's uh, we're doing everything through the YouTube channel, Instagram Facebook, Twitter on F1, all of the official Formula One channels, you'll find me okay. talking about this wonderful sport every other Sunday. Uh, so yeah, that's where, I, that's where I'm at. That's the life Will Buxton leads. And again, I'm going to remind our listeners, you got to get your hands on his new book, My Greatest Defeat, Stories of Hardship and Hope for the Motor Racing's Finest Heroes by Will Buxton. Now he can add author to his business card <laughs> of many fine things. Hey, Will, thanks for again for taking some time out, for being so generous with your time and expertise you. and for sharing your experiences. You're welcome. Until you and I talk again, I'll see you down the road. Thank you so much uh, for your time, uh, for your interest as well. And uh, it's been a really joyous conversation. I've, I've absolutely loved it. Thank you so much. It's been fun. Enjoy the F1 weekend for sure. You take care of your cars. But who takes care of your investments? Tune-ups aren't just for engines. Updating your financial plan is important, too. Your GPS may take you from A to B, but it won't help you on the road to financial freedom. For that, you need a good co-pilot and a very trusted advisor. Chris Kimball, CFP, is just the man for the job. He'll guide you down that road without driving you crazy. For over 25 years, Chris has helped people just like you and me with their financial planning and investments. With a master's degree in financial services, he is eminently qualified, and he's a car guy too. Learn more at chrisvkimble.com or call 866-ON-A-PLAN. Securities through Money Concepts Capital Corp. Member FINRA SIPC. CK Financial Services is not affiliated with Money Concepts Capital Corp. Thank you so much for joining us on today's ride here at Cars Yeah. Drive on over to CarsYeah.com to find show notes and inspiring automotive fun. Download your free copy of Filler Up, a fun book filled with gorgeous photographs of fuel filler fun, including quotes from more inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Download your copy today, and we'll see you next time on Cars Yeah.